Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. I want to begin by talking about what it means to be full gospel. What does it mean to be a full gospel believer? What does it mean to be a full gospel preacher? What does it mean to be a full gospel church? Just exactly what do we mean by that term? Some of you may be familiar with the term full gospel. Some of you may not. I think we charismatics, we spirit-filled types, you know, we sling that term around a lot, but I don't hear a lot of preachers and teachers taking the time to explain just exactly what we mean by the term full gospel. Jesus said, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. It's not an option. As the Brits would say, it is mandatory. So just like the evangelicals are kind of light on their definition of what it means to be born again, I think we spirit-filled types, we assume a lot when we sling around the term full gospel. So I thought we would start by explaining just exactly what we mean by that term. And for the benefit of our people, for the benefit of any visitors, for the benefit of those that are listening by podcast or radio broadcast, I think we owe you a definition. So, strange as it may seem, the term full gospel actually comes from the Scriptures, specifically Paul's letter to the Romans. Let's turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 19. I'm going to read it first in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Romans 15, 19, Paul says, "...through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God..." So that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Uh, Romans 15, 19, again in the Amplified, it makes it even clearer. Verse 19, even as my preaching has been accompanied with the power of signs and wonders and all of it by the power of the Holy Spirit, the result is that starting from Jerusalem and as far around as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel, faithfully executing, accomplishing, carrying out to the full the good news of Christ, the Messiah, in its entirety. So to fully or completely preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to what I just read, there should be signs, wonders, miracles, the power of God, and gifts of the Spirit that accompany that gospel to confirm the word that you preach. Amen? Amen. So that's what we mean by the term full gospel. We don't leave anything out. The same power that can save you can heal your body. The same power that lets you become born again can also deliver you from every type of demonic and satanic oppression. That's what we mean when we say full gospel. We don't just get you saved and let you limp through life on your own hoping for a corner in a cabin in glory land one day. I think God had a little bit more in store for you than that. Amen. We're just holding on till Jesus takes us out of here. What a pathetic attitude. We got a lot of work to do. We need to be born again, spirit-filled, and we need to preach the full gospel of Christ. A gospel of power. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I love this verse. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. 
Now let's camp here. Let's break this down a little bit. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. Let's stop right there. Paul says, power is not an attribute of the gospel. It's not a characteristic of the gospel. It is the gospel. In other words, it's another way of saying that you can't separate the power of God from the gospel because they are one and the same. Amen? Hallelujah. I was driving around one day that years ago, I think this was even in Corpus Christi. This was 30 years ago almost. And I was driving up South Padre Island Drive in my little 1980 uh, Toyota Celica. Trisha and I were stationed down there with the Marines at Marine Corps Air Station uh, Corpus Christi. And I was driving, I was listening to Christian radio, and I heard a preacher say this on the radio. He said, I don't preach healing or any of that other stuff. I just preach the gospel. And as I am accustomed to do from time to time, I hollered at my radio. I said, you can't take the power out of the gospel. The two are inseparable. Healing is an integral part of the gospel. Except I said it many more decimals louder than that. Because I was by myself in the car. Because I feel passionate about this. We have to preach a gospel of power. A gospel without power. Here's the way I like to think about it. The modern church today has reduced Jesus to a great philosopher. A great philosopher who unfortunately doesn't have any power to do anything for anybody today. How pathetic. How sad. No, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. That word power there is the Greek word dunamis. It means explosive power. So the gospel is the explosive power of God. How can you say that you can separate the two? Paul says they are one and the same. It is the explosive power of God unto or that leads to salvation. Now let's camp there. That word salvation in the Greek is the word soterio. It is the noun version of the Greek word sozo, which means to be saved. Soterio means salvation, eternal security, preservation from physical harm, peace, wholeness, and deliverance. It means salvation in the complete sense of the word. So again, that's what we mean when we say we are full gospel. We're preaching a gospel of power. We're preaching Jesus saves, Jesus heals, and Jesus delivers. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a scriptural example. Acts chapter 14. I'll give you a little background. Paul and his company went to a city called Iconium. And the Bible says there they preached. And the Jews and the Gentiles received the word of God at first, and they believed on Jesus. But the unbelieving Jews got the people stirred up, and they threatened to stone them, so they had to flee from Iconium to the city of Lystra and Derbe. So here in Acts chapter 14, we'll pick it up at verse 7, and it says, There they preached the gospel. Listen to this. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped 
and walked. Now I ask a rhetorical question. Remember my definition of a rhetorical question. I get to ask the question and I get to give you the answer. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. If the gospel they preached did not include the healing power of God, how in the world did this man receive faith to be healed? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to get born again, you need to hear the word of God concerning being born again. To get healed, you need to... You need to hear that the same God that saves you can heal your body. And evidently this man heard that. He responded. Paul saw that he had faith and he spoke to him and he said, Stand upright on your feet. And he was healed. That's what I'm talking about. He says, There they preached the gospel, which evidently in context included the healing of your body. I like what Andrew Womack says. That's so simple, it takes help to misunderstand it. All right, so Jesus used signs and wonders to validate his ministry. A lot of people get offended when you say that. But I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. John chapter 14. Now let me give you a little background. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having a dialogue with his closest believers, his disciples. And he's telling them, listen, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. If you want to know what the Father's like, all you have to do is look at me because we are one and the same. If you want to hear God's voice, listen to my voice. If you want to see what God looks like, you're looking at him. And Philip piped up and said, well, I hear you talking about the Father. Just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. So let's pick it up there. And Jesus reemphasizes. He says here in verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus immediately draws attention to the works he was doing. That is the signs, wonders, and miracles he was doing that no other man in the history of the world had ever done. He's saying, Philip, if you're having trouble believing that I am a perfect resemblance, a perfect reflection, an exact duplicate, Hebrews says the express image of God. If you're having trouble getting your arms around that, just look at the signs, wonders, and miracles because they're testifying that I've been sent from God. And the Father is indeed in me because it's His power that's allowing me to do these works. Glory, hallelujah. Verse 11 says, Believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. A lot of people get uncomfortable when you point to an experience. But Jesus is pointing to experiences here. He said, yes, they heard the word, but they heard the word, and as a result, they experienced signs, wonders, and miracles. It's okay to have an experience as long as it's preceded by the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verily, verily, here's the mind blower. You know, anytime Jesus says verily, verily, he's basically saying, now pay attention. This is important. In the military, we call that a foot stomper. You're going to need this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I Go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. Jesus said we would do greater works than he did. 
May I remind you that Jesus made the maimed whole. He made the deaf and dumb to hear and speak. He cast out devil. He raised three people from the dead. He calmed the waves and the wind. He stopped the storm in his tracks so they could go to the other side. And Jesus said, I did all these things, but you'll do even greater works. That gets me pumped up. I'm ready for the greater works. I think you'd agree with me. America is ready for the greater works. Amen. We'll get into that in just a second. Hallelujah. So there where it said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 14. That's not talking about prayer. We know that because two chapters later in John chapter 16, Jesus says, hitherto you have asked me nothing. But when I go, you will pray to the Father in my name. He'll give you whatever you need. This is talking about, in context, doing the works of God. Performing signs, wonders, and miracles in the power of God, and specifically in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, listen, when you lay hands on the sick, when you cast out devils in my name, I'm the one doing it. I'm with you, I'm in you, and it's my power in you. Just like Jesus said, listen... I'm doing these works by the power of the Father in me. We say, I'm doing these works by the power of Jesus in me. Amen? God sent Jesus and Jesus sent us and we have the same power that he did when he was on the earth. There's a place in the scripture where Jesus said to the disciples, it is expedient that I leave you. It means it's better for you. Now I'm sure they had him for three and a half years. They had no idea what he meant by that. What do you mean it's expedient? It's good for us. We need you. We need to be able to see you and touch you. Jesus said, it's better for you if I go, because if I go, I'll send you another comforter. And he says, is one just like me, and he'll be in you. And you'll be able to do the works of Jesus without me being there. I'll be there in the Spirit. I'm backing you. Whatever you ask, require, or demand in my name, Jesus said, I got your back. I'll do it. So never again say this. What if I lay hands on them and nothing happens? It's not on you. It's your responsibility to lay hands on the sick. It's Jesus' responsibility to fulfill his word. And he said he would. He said he would back us and he would do it. Listen, go into a situation or a scenario like that. I promise you, you'll have far better results than just wishy-washy. Well, I'm going to pray and see what happens. No, Jesus said whatever you ask require or demand in my name i will do it just like i was there personally in the flesh i'll do it i got you back how many glad jesus has your back Amen. praise the lord hallelujah acts chapter 2 verse 22 peter is preaching on the day of pentecost and he he makes reference to the fact that signs wonders and miracles prove that jesus was sent by god he says here in verse 22 ye men of israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but when Peter preached to that crowd on the day of Pentecost, most of them were there in the mob that were calling for the crucifixion of Jesus. He says so. He says, you crucified the Lord of glory. But you know what? He forgives you. (laughs) You He's ready to forgive you. He's ready to save you, heal you, fill you with the Spirit. He's ready to deliver you from demonic oppression. In fact, I believe those 3,000 that got saved after Peter preached on that day, most of them them were ones that were calling for Barabbas to be set free and, and wanting Jesus to be crucified. 
And Jesus started his church with that crowd. Isn't that just like Jesus? I'm going to find the ones that call for my crucifixion, and that's going to be the backbone of the church in Jerusalem. Oh, man. Glory to God. He thinks differently than we do. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The apostles used signs and wonders to validate their ministry. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. The writer of the Hebrews makes reference to the apostles, and he says they also were approved of God by signs, wonders, and miracles. Listen here, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? That's talking about the apostles. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. Amen. Paul used signs and wonders to validate his ministry. Notice a pattern here. I'm going to get to y'all. I'm going to get to us, okay? But we've got a hierarchy we've got to go through here. Paul used signs and wonders to validate his ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I've determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Evidently, Paul, even though he was the Einstein of his day, some people think he had the equivalent of three PhDs during the time of Jesus and shortly afterwards. He was the Einstein of the day. He was the leading intellect of the day. He was the leading teacher of the day. He studied under Gamaliel, who was the predecessor to Paul. So he was no lightweight intellectually. But evidently, he couldn't convey it that well in speech. He wasn't a great orator. He wasn't a great speaker. So he depended on the power of God to confirm everything that he said. And that has a whole lot more power than just words alone. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 20. This is again Paul. Now, the background on, on this chapter is there had been evidently a lot of teachers that had rolled into Corinth and set themselves up as high and mighty and puffed up. And I'm a great teacher of the word, okay? And Paul said, you might have 10,000 teachers or 10,000 instructors, but evidently you don't have many fathers in the faith. You need fathers in the faith, not so many teachers. And by the way, he picks it up right here and he says, now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, and he's talking about these teachers, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. He said, I'm not so concerned about what they're saying, but is their power that's backing up the words that they're saying. If there's power that's backing up their word, then you know they're sent from God. If not, they're just another puffed up so-and-so. Now, I want to take just a minute here to talk about lying signs and wonders. And this is not incongruent. Look it up. This really is on topic here. Because many in the modern church world have steered clear of signs, wonders, and miracles because they read in their Bible that the devil is able to do lying signs and wonders. You know, over there in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.9, it talks about the Antichrist and the false prophet in the end times they will perform great, mighty signs and wonders, and they will deceive many. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
you can't just stiff arm all signs, wonders, and miracles because there might be a few counterfeit out there. It's just not logical. Let me just draw a financial uh, example or a financial, what's the word I'm looking for? Picture. There we go. I know that there are people that can counterfeit paper money. So I'm not going to use any paper money. I know there are people that can, you know those credit cards and debit cards that have the little digital signature on there? I know there are people that have these scanners. If they get close enough to your wallet or your purse, they can scan your information. They can clean out your credit card or your debit card. So I'm not going to use credit or debit cards. There are people out there that can counterfeit your checks and even get your signature down to the dot and cross the T. So I'm not using checks either. Oh, I'm not going to put anything on the Internet, and not, especially not my bank account, because there's people out there that can hack into your bank account and take all your money. If you keep it up, pretty soon you're not going to be able to engage in commerce at all. You go to Food Line with three fish and say, give me a loaf of bread, and they're going to laugh at you because we're not under the barter system anymore. We operate on a money system, amen? Just because there's counterfeits out there doesn't invalidate the real thing. Remember when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. Moses told Aaron, Throw the rod down. The rod turned into a snake. Everybody's heard this story. And then the, the, the sorcerers and magicians in the court of Pharaoh, they threw their rods down and they also became snakes. Ooh, the devil can do miracles. But guess what happened next, remember? Amen. Moses' snake gobbled up and devoured the snakes of the devil. What does that say? Metaphorically. Any counterfeit that the devil can throw out there can be swallowed up by the original, powerful signs, wonders, and miracles of God. All you have to do is examine the preacher. Is he glorifying Jesus? Is he preaching the word? Is he faithful to his wife? Does he treat his family with love and respect? Examine the fruit of his ministry, and he's doing signs and wonders and miracles in Jesus' name, giving Jesus all the glory. You can be assured it's not counterfeit. Even if you don't like his particular style, it looks like he slaps people and they fall over. Well, maybe he slaps them because the Holy Ghost told him to do that, and they fall over and they get up healed. I know there's preachers out there that have some really strange styles, but you know, I am not quick to criticize because I don't know how the Holy Ghost operates in that person. I just know how he operates in me. Okay, so don't steer clear of signs, wonders, and miracles just because there's counterfeits out there. Otherwise, you have that Jesus I, I talked to you about before. I call it the gondification of Jesus. He was a great man of peace. He loved everybody. He walked around. He was so meek and humble. He was mamby-pamby, but that's okay. It's not okay. Jesus was God in the flesh, and there were times when he displayed his power. When they came for him in the garden there in the book of John, and they said, which one of you is Jesus? He had just come from communing with his father, and he had a breakthrough in the spirit, and he had the power of God on him. And when he said, I am, all the soldiers fell to the ground. You don't believe in falling under the power? Well, there it is in the scripture, amen. Jesus was no mamby-pamby. He went about doing signs, wonders, miracles. He displayed the power of God. He rocked the nation by his boldness. 
Amen. I don't want a mamby-pamby Jesus, and the world doesn't need a mamby-pamby Jesus. They need the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. We should expect signs and wonders to validate our ministry as modern-day believers. Here's the punchline. Mark 16, verse 15 through 20, starting with verse 15. Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs shall follow them that believe in the first century church. That's not what it says. These signs shall follow them that believe. If you're a believer, be a believing believer. There's a lot of doubting believers out there. Don't be one of them. I'm a believer. The Bible says these signs shall follow me because I'm a believer. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.